Well, hello, ladies and gentlemen. I have on Ash Creek, and he's one of my followers on Instagram, and he... Well, you say how it happened, actually. Okay. Uh, let's see. Well, I just uh, I just started following you because my wife was really into your podcast, and she was just uh, letting me know about it. She said, check this out. And, you know, my wife knows about my history growing up um, in the household um, of uh, transvestite, AGP, uh, whatever that's what we used to call it back in the day. And um, so she, so you've had a lot of like guests about in this regard, and she's like, "You're going to check this out," and it just blew me away because people are just being so frank, honest. Um, it comes from a feminist perspective, which I've only recently started developing. So, you know, it's just another path. So, mm -hmm. yep. And well, you specifically replied to something. I don't remember what it was, but you had expressed that you grew up with the was it your father or stepfather? Stepfather. Yeah. So I was like, "Whoa! I have got to have you on." And obviously, <laughs> this is really sensitive subject, personal, um, you know, but I haven't had someone on that was able to tell that story. And I've seen quite a few uh, YouTube interviews with people and their experience of growing up with the autogynophile father or person in their life. And it's horrifying, but it's also incredibly insightful and informative to people that are really clueless about all this, um, especially since it's being rebranded as transgender, which is interesting. Um, mm. I don't know. I don't even know where you want to start, I guess. Okay. Well, I thought about it a little bit when we were talking about setting up this interview, and um, basically, I kind of have it kind of broken into two parts. There'd be like my, you know, growing up inside the the uh, household, AGP household. Wait, pause real quick. Did I already say because I I was said it before we started uh, recording that this is not his real name, and he has to protect his real name because mm -hmm. shit is crazy and. I just wanted that's to make true. sure the viewers knew that. So sorry, okay. I apologize. Go ahead. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, so I am using a pseudonym. Um, but uh, so I kind of had it like broken into two parts. And one of it was like about my childhood. And then about it, then the other part is basically um, what's happening nowadays and how it kind of all harkens back to the old, um, mm -hmm. you know, my old life and how with the prevalence of the trans movement growing nowadays, there is what you were saying, rebranding. But there's also this narrative out there that it's like totally harmless and everything's fine. And oh, look at these supportive wives and these adoring children. And it gets put on, uh, gets put out there that there's this some sort of like, you know, it's, it's wonderful, but it's mm -hmm. not. There's so much more to the story, um, and there's so much more um, that they're just leaving out. And so to, for, I've been approached by a lot of people growing up and saying, hey, man, you're, you're, you're transphobic. You know, you're, you, you know, you really are, you're really hard on these guys. And I was like, well, you know what? Grew up in this situation where you have a man pretending to be a woman and still being extremely masculine, um, drinking a lot, you know, just all of the masculine stuff that's going on. And it's incongruous. It's hard to understand as a little kid. It's hard to. How old were you? Oh, gosh. He, or he came on the scene, I guess. Okay. So my, let's see, this is now we're going back to the 80s here, 1984, <laughs> um, as it were. Um, no, I guess it would be 1982 when my mother had met this guy. And then by 1984, I think it was in fourth grade. So that was when he revealed to me uh, this whole thing. He'd been dating my mother for a couple of years and um, they'd been going out pretty steady. We lived in uh, apart um, at this time. And um, basically what happened was I walked in to the bedroom or something like that. Hey, can you get me something? And I was bringing something in and, and uh, I'd seen him in like a camisole kind of thing, you know, like strap. Mm -hmm. and I was like, mm -hmm. uh, okay. And then, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> so I go to school, I get on the bus and go to school, fourth grade, you know, um, 
and then I get out of school and there's like a note saying, hey, don't get on the bus today. Um, you're getting picked up from school. And so it was uh, my, my eventual stepfather. Um, and he came to pick me from school on the back of his motorcycle and it was all cool. And hey, we're gonna have this discussion. I wanna tell you about this thing. And, and uh, so he was breaking down like, hey, what you saw this morning and this is what is going on with me. And oh, I'm, I'm not gay, I'm not gay. That uh, was a really huge part of it. It was like, oh, I'm so not gay. Um, I'm so, so it sounds like he could see that you were shocked and didn't, he didn't say anything. What did he, did he just play it off or, you know, in the moment of you seeing that? Um, no, it was more like, oh, uh, you know, could you just go ahead and get out, you know, get out of the room. And then like I was like, didn't want you to see school. that or uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Just and then, um, sounds like maybe he and my mom had had to like figure out what we're going to do because obviously I'd seen what was going on. And so, um, yeah, so it was just kind of like he got to like break the narrative, control the narrative as to like what I understood. And for, for somebody who's in fourth grade, this is extremely confusing, man. I, oh you yeah. Know, you know, I don't know anything about sexuality barely at all. I mean, I like girls, you know, that was, yeah. that was about where I was, you know, but, God, yeah. and so there's this whole other thing that opened up and it basically like, it was kind of overwhelming to realize that there's this whole world of like, you know, sex and sexual expression and all of these things. And we didn't, they call it gender identity or anything like that yeah, back yeah. then. But he was adamant, not, I'm not gay, uh, I'm not a pedophile or all that stuff. So, you know, I guess he was trying to break he it down. He said like, that? That's interesting yeah. that, I mean, like, I just, I just think that says a lot when people say things where no one on the, you know, end of, that they're talking to is saying anything about, oh, you're this or that, but they are the ones that say, oh, I'm not this or that. And I'm like, well, I didn't say that, pretending like it's, you know, you. Mm -hmm. It's interesting that you're the one that said it, which means it's on your mind. And you know what I mean? I, th I just think it's really telling when people do that kind of a uh, speaking language thing where I'm like, well, you said that. That's really interesting. I just think that that's yeah. obviously, to me, more telling than anything because, well, th they use that word and... I wonder why it's obviously on the front of their mind. You know Absolutely. I mean? The choice of language, especially when you have like, you know, the English language, biggest language on earth, you have all of these words to choose from. And when you're like, you know, so yeah, the selection of language is very important. The um, controlling the narrative um, is extremely important, especially from parents to kids, even in a discussion. Did you even know what gay was then? Sorry. I'm just like, yeah. so I'm trying to break yeah. down that each mm -hmm. situation. You did. Oh, yeah, okay. I knew. Oh yeah, I definitely knew. And I knew I wasn't gay. And um, gay has kind of like lost that like secretive sort of, you know, in the 80s. It wasn't all bad, you know, it wasn't yeah. that kind of, you used it as an insult because you were kids and you call each other gay and all this stuff because mm -hmm. that's the only way you know to insult somebody or whatever. Yeah. Or unless you want to pick on their race or something. Um, mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, and so it's like the, that had already come past where people were like not worried about you know, homosexuality as like a scary monster that was going mm. to, you know, suck up all our children or, or whatever. You know. It's interesting because I feel like it's definitely a location-based thing. Um, I don't want you to disclose more than you need to, but I'm just okay. curious uh, where that location was. You don't have to say oh. where. Oh, well, California. I mean, this is crazy oh, okay. because all of this is taking place. My life with um, with uh, my stepfather and my mom is all taking place in the San Francisco Bay Area in the 80s and 90s. Okay. So, I think there's like this additional sort of element to this story that's really messed up, and um, mm -hmm. it's the closet. You know, mm. it's being put mm. in someone else's closet, mm. um, being having a reveal like that, like, hey, I'm a mm. crossdresser and I'm a transvestite. And then also, but you can't wow. tell anybody. Don't That's tell your so brothers. I'll tell your brothers. Oh yeah. 
So that's a you know, lot of weight and a lot of it is. guilt and confusing and to having to carry that burden where it's like, well, this person's able to say to you their secret or closet thing, but now it's been passed on to you. That's not nice. Like, I mean, that that's that's basically it. it's like you're 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 in a closet now. My attention is diverted from my own like growing up into protecting a secret, um, coming up with explanations as to why this is that. Like, um, I remember I'd be working in the yard with them, and he always wore women's undergarments, right? Like always, like no matter what he was doing, whether it's at work. Working in the yard. How did you know that? Did you see? I mean, oh, yeah. the he, was told, he was very open. He was very, after he, he broke it to me, he was like, brag? Like, mm -hmm. and, and just be like, oh, he, he would just like not really, um, like, once I knew it was like, yeah, you didn't really have to hide it. So, you know, you're like, you're working on something, you're bent over in the yard and you uh, see like okay. the lady's pants popping out or, you know, like pat him on the back and you feel a strap there under like uh -huh. a work t shirt or something like that. And so it was always one of those things where, he had that and then he also had his like special like man's underwear that he would wear to the doctor so he basically oh, he was always involved in like wow what a yeah, secret mm -hmm. like split life oh yeah wow. it's, crazy. it's like it's like he didn't commit all the way i don't know like uh, that's interesting to me because i think it's nowadays i mean i'm not gonna assume that i know all these agps now but i would think that i, I thought the agp thing was like they really committed to it i mean obviously there's variances clearly but it seemed like it's such a serious um mental delusion and like illness really um a really big distortion of reality that mm -hmm. they would wear ladies undergarments all the time but again i don't know i haven't heard a million agp stories but well there's kind of really like it's there's kind, kind of, sad of that they have different... to... sorry go ahead no go ahead sad about what well i was gonna say sad that someone would have to i mean imagine living a life where i mean i'm not for like people living in delusions and you know affecting other people around you clearly this does but in the sense of he has to live that life of like a secret. I mean, that's going to destroy anyone having a really like, if it's a big part of your life and you're keeping it a secret, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Of course it's going to affect that person and the people around them. It's, it's kind of crazy. It does, it, it, it did put us all in closets. You know, my mom was in a closet and um, I was in a closet and my younger brothers were in a closet for that, for that, um, in that regard. Um, but there was also this aspect of wanting to get caught. I felt like, like, oh, um, wow. you know, like, uh, so it's, it's kind of weird because he would secretly confide in me like, you know, family get togethers or whatever. And, oh, I'm pretty sure grandmother was feeling uh, for my straps or whatever. Or, or I'm pretty sure that, you know, they were like there, you know, and it was just like kind of this thing where it's like teasing out, like maybe they know maybe. And so it like make me paranoid huh. and just freaking nervous. Like, yeah. oh, my God, we're going to find out then. Then they're going to know I've been keeping this secret. They're going to think I'm a liar. And wow. so like basically just slap this shell around me of just like you're a liar all the time oh my god how awful you know so and it makes you act out it makes you um seek approval in 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 fucked up ways you know um and it yeah it just makes you basically like every focal point reaction with the outside world outside of the the home is through a lens of like it's a lie and wow. so um the wanting to get caught and stuff like uh yeah it, which it was i just think weird. is part of the fetish like kind of you know, obviously wants to keep it in and not have the world know, but also get that excitement of, I guess, the potential of getting caught. Um, you know, a lot of people get, that's just like a thrill. Um, you know what I mean? Like, a, oh, mm -hmm. I almost got, or what if? And that's so, it's so disturbing that um, he confided in you with that stuff, which I also find if you're living a life of a lie, you're also living uh an extra paranoid life are you hearing an echo this damn echo thing sorry no, it's not. really tiny but whatever hmm. um i'm not where if you're living a lie 
I think I, I know the lie can, can, can consume you where you are seeing, you are extra paranoid. Like, oh, um, oh my God, maybe they were feeling my strap. Oh, they're looking at me weird. Like the other day I went into Joanne's and I wasn't wearing a mask. The sign said, if you're fully vaccinated and masks are optional. And I was like, fuck you, because I don't even think you can legally ask if I, let me see your card. Plus I'm like, it's yeah. like all ladies, I, let's just go, whatever. Yeah. I wasn't trying to cross commotion, but I'm like, whatever. But, uh, you know, I walked around and I, I wasn't an asshole. I kept my distance. But even I had the sense of, oh, are they looking at me? Oh, they looked at me. But I'm like, I don't know. I guess it's that sense of, um, you know, you're doing something that's I'm not necessarily that, but like dangerous or uh, not what you're supposed to be doing. So you're extra like alert of, do you know what I mean? Like if, if he's living this lie, then you're going to be extra aware and like on the jump of uh, just if someone like looks at him, you know, because he behaved or said something weird, he'll be or not even weird. Like if they're just looking at him as he's talking, he can perceive that as, oh, they're on to me because you're just so paranoid. Mm -hmm. The lie consumes you. That's what I really think. It yeah. does. And um, it fathers more lies. And it got me you know, a knock on the door when he was fully dressed up, you know, would mm -hmm. would fucking send me into a panic. And um, so you have like, yeah, you're on a high stage state over as a kid. Um, you know, you're in a closet. Um, and there's just this like, this is what I didn't realize until later was like how much of exhibitionism I was exposed to, you know, like exhibitionism is a sexual fetish, like um, voyeurism yeah. and like AGP. That's a fetish, man. You know, people yeah, will be yeah. trying to narrate it like it's like some kind of you know fashion choice or like uh, and I it's not it's a paraphilia all the research says it i'm just so sick yeah. of this bullshit because if it wasn't a fetish and it was controllable then this person mm -hmm. wouldn't need to dress up every single night um and wear women's clothes all the time it's just like the mm -hmm. necessity of it you know and you wouldn't have to have a closet around everybody right so yeah um, you know, this whole, the narrative has just got to go. It's, it's bullshit. It's a fetish. People are getting aroused by this. It's an erotic yep. thing. It's an exotic thing. You know, let's just, just own it. Just own it because, um, right? people who have experienced it and knowing it, they know you're lying. They know it's a bullshit that, you know, it's not a fetish. It is. And, um, I've had people in my life say, you know, that's just disgusting hate. I'm like, well then, because you say yeah. it's not a fetish, mm -hmm. that's a hate. Or that it's, because yeah. you have boundaries and that makes you uncomfortable. And so why is it you get to go explore and do your openly fetish uh, activities? Like, it's just such a total, only what what uh, I want to do. You know, I don't care how you feel. Uh, I have to, I'll have to do a live stream later about this. I had a whole experience yesterday about <laughs> little boys being in the bathroom. Um, I, I heard about that. I read I was, about that. Yeah, I... I was I wasn't being mean. I was like, you have feelings, you have feelings, you have feelings, and that's great. That's wonderful. But I have feelings, and this is a direct violation to me. And the little boy goes, I don't care. And it's just so similar to, you know, this is a young boy learning this behavior, very young, to, you know, misogynistic. I don't give a fuck about you. I'm in your women's bathroom. I don't even care. Like, I'm like, well, how is that fair? We're being taught that we're supposed to care and be loving and love is love or whatever, about, especially, you know, being inundated with the pride stuff this month. It's I don't know if it's worse because I've discovered all this, you know, trans stuff. I, I think it's, it is worse, actually. Um, they're just piling on like crazy and it's just freaking everywhere. But I just think it's so, it's such a hypocritical, the hypocrisy is the thing that kills me. Where it's like, we're supposed to be loving and really like fork over our, say goodbye to our rights and our comfort levels for your comfort level. Like since when do, why do I not matter? Like I want everyone to matter. Everyone's feelings and emotions, 
about everything should matter. Like, why can't we have a conversation about that? Why can't we talk about this? We're being silenced and deplatformed. We can't even talk. We can't even say AGP autogynephilia. Like, you know, it just seems like there's an obvious denial about it because it's a very real it's real. And I think stories like yours and there's other, other people that are it's it's great that people are being outspoken about this. And thank you for coming on, because these are so important, because this is, again, another layer of the onion of this trans agenda. There's so many, um, mm. you know, pedophilia, autogonophilia, uh, erasure of women. Uh, I mean, it's even affecting men like my husband wants to go out racing. But I'm like, well, does the racing NCNCA approve of men? racing in women's fields, they do. I don't want you spending money racing this. So I'm like, mm -hmm. now I have to take this, not me, it's not me, but having to remind him that, do you want to go give money to this, you know, whatever you call it, um, entity, NCNCA, which is Northern California, something. Um, USAC is US, US uh, you know, Cycling Association. Mm. I'm like, these people approve of men racing, uh, you know, pretending to be women in women's fields. I'm like, so now it's affecting my husband. I don't want, and he loves cycling. And I hate to be put in that position where I'm like, no, you can't go do that. I'm, it's just like, it is affecting everyone. It's not just women. It Obviously it's mostly women, but I can't imagine what it must be like for you growing up with that. And then seeing it kind of, I don't know if it happened like this to you where it kind of reared its head again, you know, in, in the sense of the world, like it kind of is or has a revival. I don't know if that's how mm -hmm. it, you experienced it. That must exactly be mortifying, horrifying. It. You have to live through your, I'm going to assume it was traumatic. Like, I can't even imagine. Well, there's violence, there's alcoholism, there is the secrecy, there's the penetrating lies, there is the fear of exposure. All these things contribute to like an extremely um, unsettling mental state for a young person. And when you're talking about your experience yesterday, those are, those are two young boys who are talking to a grown woman like that. Yeah. Where did they learn that? I know. Where did, well, where did, where did that team, behavior yeah. originate? How did that make its way into the real world? How did that escape exactly. the home out there? Exactly. Someone's entitled to feel like that. Someone's teaching them like that, teaching them to yep. tell like grown women, like this isn't your space anymore. That is yeah. insane. That I is know. like, so like if we're talking about like rearing its ugly head, my peak trans moment is the fucking cotton ceiling. Oh, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Cause uh, you know, I've had, I have a lot of lesbian mentors in my life professionally. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, um, and um, I don't know why it just, but that's, but that's what it is. And they've taught me so much mm -hmm. stuff and, and about professional work, you know, this is my professional work environment. So there's no, there's no, there's like no boundary between like what these people are in professional life and then what they are in private life, you know? So these mm -hmm. are, are people. And so reading, reading about the cotton ceiling, it just had my hackles up for all these women I know who reject men as sexual partners. That's not a freaking <laughs> get over it. Yeah. But the cotton ceiling and just the idea that people are trying to smash that, penetrate that, you know, that that's an obstacle to overcome is right. extremely misogynistic. It's lesbophobic and it just, it snapped. And I'm not a lesbian. Like I grew up in an AGP household, but it's like, I can immediately see like where this is going, you know, they're oh, going to, yeah. yeah. So the cotton ceiling, that and what's the cotton ceiling? <laughs> the cotton ceiling is the problem, in scare quotes, faced by trans women, trans identified males, in sleeping with lesbians. Because lesbians, I don't know if you know this, but generally they have no affinity for the male body. 
<laughs> and um, they don't want anything to do with it, and especially no intimately. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. So um, uh, these poor, poor trans-identified males are having problems being so. received as women, <laughs> being received as women by lesbians who are basically experts on what is and what is. <laughs> Go figure. So yeah. in the cotton ceiling, it was like, I read about this, uh, read about this, uh, it's like a workshop for trans women to overcome the cotton ceiling. And I'm like, you're pressuring people into having sex. You yeah, it's rapist. Right. <laughs> so it's like, oh, you don't like, you don't want to have sex with me because you're a transphobe. You better have, you better fuck me, you bigot. I'm like, I mean, that's literally essentially what it is. I mean, no, it is. This is crazy. Humans cannot d deny and ignore um, the other human in front of them. Like the, one of the kids from the park, you know, we've been going to this park uh, for the past like month and these kids are always there. And one of them is really tall and uh, he's always wearing a, I just gave it away. It's a boy, but he's always wearing a skirt. Um, and one of them looked very e-thought, which is like ho, like tight. Like it's very, I've seen this with uh, maybe it's even, I don't know if it's like the younger males that pretend to be women, just really ham up the hoe, like just prostitute. Look, I'm just, because I was it's like, a garbage girl... aesthetic. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, that looks like a, I mean, the, the way that this boy moved, I, I'm just, I don't even know how to word this. This whole world is crazy. Because at the time I was like, girl? Because it was from afar. My husband's like, oh, it's a girl. Men are terrible. Most men are terrible at identifying what sex these people are. Um, especially if they, I don't know. Anyway. But then yesterday, I finally, you know, I walked in the bathroom and I'm like, ah, I'll do this separate live stream thing later talking about this. But, um, and I saw this kid up close and it was a boy and I was like, I fucking knew it. Like just the way this boy walks, like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. And I just, not because I'm special and can sense like someone's sex better than others, but I'm like, do you know what I mean? How just how people walk and how they present their bodies and in their movement. And I'm like, that's the most telling thing. Like you walk like a male. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, they even have like training classes of how to walk feminine because they don't yeah. know how to do it. They're males. Walk walk. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. No, and it's, it's, and wild. it's obviously training. It's obviously put on, it's obviously a performance. It's not yeah. innate, you know? So that's why they go with this whole thing where it's like, well, you know, it's just inside me and it's like special and uh, you know, but it's like, there's nothing innate because everything you're doing is being pulled from the outside and attached onto you. You know, it's like nothing's yeah. radiating from within. So have, yeah, I, exactly. You have to learn. You have to learn yeah. how to uh, embrace your authentic self. Like there should be, I mean, it's whatever you get it. I mean, mm -hmm. there shouldn't be any learning like factor. If it's your real self and you're born in the wrong body, what, you know, and you have a, the opposite sex brain, shouldn't your brain tell your limbs how to walk like a female? You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm just yeah. not buying it on any level. I don't believe people are born in the wrong body. You know, no. I believe in God and God doesn't do that. And even if you don't believe in God, I'm just like, I don't buy this. Like there's too many, it's just so obvious. There's so many stories um, of, you know, D trans people are being absolutely silenced. And I can't imagine, you know, you realize it was not authentic and it's not the way to go. And you, you have trauma that you haven't dealt with, which is so time and again that, which I have so much compassion for these people. Like, I don't have any hate. I didn't, I'm sorry. I keep talking about the thing yesterday. I want to talk about you. No, sorry. No, it's okay because I think what you're having, what, what, what's saying is like those boys could have been me in a way too, you know, if I had been raised in a way that was like disrespectful mm. of women or if I had yeah. internalized the misogyny that my stepfather had towards women because it was, it's very apparent. Um, yeah, that, that could, that that's a, a, a milieu, like if you're in that home, that that's, that you can emerge with that kind of attitude about women, right? 
So what did your mom, like, can you go into that? Like, what was the sense you got from her being around, um, I guess, I don't know if they were married, but um, mm-hmm, they were married. stepfather. Yeah, like, yeah. <sighs> this is an interesting question. Um, I asked my mom about this, you know, not even a couple weeks ago. Um, because you know we're just kind of unpacking stuff, and are they still you know, together? No, 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 no. They uh, so they divorced in 1994, something like 92 or something so like ten that. Years so ten years in the household, yeah. And um, and so I uh, asked my mom about this, and her her kind of thing was like, uh, she felt like she could change him, you know. Mm. And so it was almost like you know she found in him a good partner, and like. Um, other stuff, but there's always like an ulterior motive. Like at some point, mm-hmm. this shit's got to go because it is a replacement for intimacy between a husband and a wife. I mean, she always felt like he was having an affair, wow. you know, because it was like, you know, there's this whole other sexual activity going on outside of the bonds of marriage. Wow. And so, um, you know, so there was like, you know, financial control since he was like the bread earner. Cause like most of these AGP guys are like white dudes well off they got the they got the cash to spend on lingerie fucking mm-hmm. makeup all that stuff makeup fucking yeah. fake silicone titties it's just it's you know to fill out the you yeah. know it's just it's just mm-hmm. stuff where you're just fake like it. run across one of those as an eight-year-old or a 10-year-old kid a fake silicone disembodied breast you know oh my god yeah like you know and it's it's shocking have you ever seen um, the Masters of Horror? It's like a anthology that Showtime had on. It was like a horror oh. anthology. Ooh, is it well, one of the special effects artists or something? It's 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 by um, it's by I want to say it's by John Carpenter, but it's usually oh. like a great horror director gets like a little short anthology. Okay. And there's this one of these episodes called the Screw Tape Screw Tape Solution, and it's basically about this wave of misogynistic violence that's sweeping the globe and men are just getting enraged and murdering off women and murdering women. It's like uncontrollable. Oh, and um, it's, it's just, it's, it's hybrid. And you, you realize that it's like aliens are doing it to, to the human race, basically wiping out women so that humans will die off and then the planet can heal or whatever and all because they prefer like deer and shit like that, right? So it's kind of this weird thing, but it's, it's, an, ex, it's an examination of violence. And it just, I just remember seeing this one scene of it where like the misogynistic violence is so great. This, well, there's one pregnant woman um, and they're trying to smuggle her out or whatever. And, you know, and they're using gay men who, don't, who aren't susceptible to this violence or whatever to like as like an underground railroad kind of thing to save women. But there's this one scene where this dude removes, like this dude removes like his, his wallet or whatever. And it's made out of a human breast, you know, a woman's breast. And it's just like, it's just so emblematic. And that, that scene of that thing just, yeah, just running into the silicone like fillies or whatever in that scene for some reason. And it just dovetails the misogyny right there. You're, you're disembodied. You're, you're a pair, of, you know, a pair of this or body parts. Yeah. And um, so when people talk about like reducing people to body parts wrong, that is them. Howdy doody. Enjoying the show? Join the rational revolution and unlock extra censored top secret content that big tech finds to be too truthful. Head over to subscribestar.com forward slash distorted lens and choose a tier or donate directly through PayPal. Type in paypal.me forward slash LP foster kittens to donate directly with PayPal. Your donations help me to bring you the truths of the world each and every week. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Now, on to the show. 
Yes, you know yes. Everything they preach about saying that we do, hate speech, violence, discrimination, uh, whatever. I'm like, everything they say is what they're doing. It's such a distorted reality. My God, that's, I mean, there's obviously so many things to be furious about, but I mean, it's ins- it's so crazy. I'm, it's like a projection culture. It's like projection era. I don't even know. Well, and a lot of people are just falling for this. It's to me, it smacks a lot of like pseudoscience and like pop psychology, where people are self-diagnosing. Oh, I'm this oh, yeah. and I'm this, and the you know they create all these categories that are not clinical. They're not researched. They're not backed up by any sort of, yep. you know, anthropology or sexology or anything like that. And um, they'll create these categories and then just apply it in a pop psychology manner. Has no, it, you know. And it just it just smacks of that unseriousness. It smacks yeah. of silencing victims, you know. And that's the oh, whole. Yeah. That's that's what I really wanted to say is like this movement has victims. Okay, mm-hmm. there are victims in the children. There are the victims who are being silenced. People being deplatformed. People getting punched on the street. Mm-hmm. Like I see all that, you know. Yeah. You're out there punching turfs. You're out there signing up for turf hunts. All that, you know. We see all that. That's yeah. them. You know, I know they're tweeting all that shit. I'm just like, really? The proof is all out there. Turf is a slur. It has a lot of examples of all that. <laughs> I mean, not only just the uh, the usage of the word turf on the internet, but there's other. Uh, I think they talk about the cotton stealing there. A lot of tweets about that. Mm. It's like it's like screenshots among screenshots. Um, it's just crazy. I don't even know. It's I don't know. It gets um, it gets in it gets insane, and it's been going on for a long time, and it's so like the last few years it's bubbling through. So this is so funny because um, they used to call they used to call them femophiles. I don't know if you were like mm. what you were old, but it was like it, w- it went through this thing where it's like you know you get transsexuals, transvestites, and femophiles or whatever. What's femophiles? It, it's autogynophile, man. It's 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 that's what it is. But you know they get to self they get to self diagnose and they get to self create their own terms. So. So I, I remember him, I remember my stepfather showing me like kind of like propaganda pamphlets from this kind of thing. It's like, oh, this oh, is wow. what this is. This is a, you know, this is a, a unique situation where it's like you love women so much and you idealize women so much that you want to be like them and all this stuff. And I'm like, mm, mm, creepy. Um, yeah. And so it was like all these, you know, they spent a lot of time like prepping this propaganda. So it's going on for a while, right? So mm-hmm. I wanted to like um, kind of prepare for this interview by just trying to see if I could find some of those old things. So I was looking up right. last night on internet archives and uh, and different things. I found like all of these old from the 70s, 80s, 90s, old magazines and internal, you know, sort of like communiques. I found like these columns by Martine Rothblatt and stuff like that from 1993. I mean, it was like, I was like, whoa, dude, I'm really going down the rabbit hole here. But basically like the narrative has been on for a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, They've been self-reinforcing it within their own circles for a long time. And, um, you know, slowly propagandizing people who they have access to like young boys or their children, um, their partners, gaslighting them into saying that it's harmless. And then once, once we start coming out of the woodwork and we're going like, Hey, excuse me, um, these doctors abused me. They cut off my breasts. They didn't tell me what it was going to be like, you know, I didn't have informed consent. And then it's like, be quieter or whatever. And, yeah. you know, it, so it just becomes like this whole thing where it's like they're silencing the victims. And that's what happened to me, actually, um, just um, recently within the last year and a half. And that's why I've become like way more outspokenly gender critical because it actually happened to me in, um, you know, just when I gave, I gave up Facebook because of it. But it was just one of those things where, and I'm like, I miss Facebook. It's, I just oh, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> yeah, but, um, you know, it's uh, one of those things where, 
it came out it, it came after me and it hit me pretty hard and i just realized that like the only way to get through this is to go right through it you, you people don't understand what i went through as a kid and i'm not going to have you tell me that that was a woman beating my ass all those years you know what I'm saying? Uh, th Deny that what's right in front of you, mm -hmm. what you experienced, and what mm -hmm. you know damn well that you saw and experienced. And have someone on the outside that, you know, most Facebook friends are people that, at least for me, uh, most is acquaintances and most are people like I've um, met once and they don't even live near me. It's just mm -hmm. how incredibly insulting. I guess that's called gaslighting. I, I there's so many terms I'm like that are new to me. I keep uh, reiterating to myself to learn it where it's like, yeah, it's gaslighting where it's like, no, that's not. Trying to tell you that that's not true. I just can't. Right. It's just so insulting. Like a lot of my life, I've I've lived like a or felt that I was misunderstood, and I've to be misunderstood is one of the most frustrating things ever. Like, because it's like no, that's not that's not it at all. Like, and that's a huge misunderstanding. I mean, that's putting it lightly. Really, gaslighting is the more appropriate term there. Mm -hmm. What is gaslighting? I feel like I should define it. It's basically people trying to convince you that what really did happen that you know that happened is that's not how it happened mm -hmm. that's, well, that your perceptions are faulty yeah that you're that Just you like crap. have a problem where you can't perceive things correctly so they got to come in and correct it for you which yeah. is just so awful it's total <laughs> yeah. like a psyop it's just it, it's mm, that's awful yeah. oh, i'm so sorry that happened was it like pile on facebook thing what did, do you it was and it was because i had like um, the AFL CIO Facebook page had posted this thing, um, rainbow, like trans women are women thing. Right. And uh, my comment to them was as like, well, they're a union. Oh, right. So I'm like, first off, that's a highly, highly ideological statement. And this actually can end up engendering misogyny. And wow. that was it. And so, um, it was a dog pile on and this one kid who's in my town and I know from like the music scene and playing music and stuff. Self-identified, okay, not even trying trans person, right? So yep. it's like self-identified, I'm trans guys, I've got a beard, a mustache, I'm 80 pounds Socially overweight. Socially transitioning, whatever. Mm -hmm. one, yeah. Did 1% of act, I just, yeah. Yeah, it's 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 not even, and it's, it's a mockery of what other people who are actually suffering gender dysphoria are going through. And it's basically, mm -hmm. so this person had been following me around, um, I don't want to say stalking, but like, you know, every time I would post something even remotely like mm. earthy or whatever, like, oh, you're sure? Are you saying, so they got on with that. Are you saying that trans women aren't women? <laughs> I'm saying, no, dude. I'm saying that's a highly, highly ideological statement. Mm -hmm. And, but then it became, then it, after that, it was just a dog of his friends. And then I wrote to him um, and it's a him, you're a man. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, and I wrote to him and I said, you know, look, I understand that you're saying I'm being transphobic. I get that. But let me tell you something. If there's anybody who has a right to be transphobic, it could possibly be me because I grew up in an AGP household with an abusive asshole who treated me like shit. And I know that he's not a woman. Right. And so this person leaked my DMS and like screenshot and leaked my DMS and then other friends started picking up on them and all this stuff. And I was like, guys, I'm gonna tell you something. This happened to me. All right. And so, it's it's a fetish it's this crazy shit that goes on and all the best thing they could be like sorry about your abuse but you're transphobic well okay I'm not sorry yeah they're it's not like, sorry no they have to say no, that in order to like keep their you know like uh their lib cred or whatever and it's to and me they, it's they just bought the lie so of course they can't even fathom you know imagine they bought the lie and you fully you know you're being an active ally or whatever <laughs> or maybe you are that part of the umbrella i just you know to also come to a moment where you have to be really raw and admit to yourself, 
I think I fucked up. I think this this is bullshit. You know, I don't, I just, this whole thing is showing me how many cowards there are, um, honestly. Just about having to also, in that instance, maybe admit to yourself. You know, it, it, it's, it comes to a point where not only can they obviously not admit to themselves that this is all such a sham, but they can't even have sympathy for you and be like, you know, because I'm sorry. It's kind of the thing of like, I'm sorry you feel that way. <laughs> it's like, you're not fucking sorry. You're not sorry at all. It's, it's, why are you even, it's even more insulting that you're saying that as in an attempt to convince me that you're trying to say you're sorry, which you know it's bullshit. I know it's bullshit. Absolutely. I just think it's, it's, it's turning people into monsters. Like, it's the, the lack of empathy and care about someone else's story. Like, I wasn't, you know, again, the, the thing yesterday, I was being very talking reality based and I brought sympathy into it being like, I, and I was like, I know, you know, I know each and every one of you know, each and every one of you are smart. I know you're smart being like, I know, you know, that a man doesn't have a vagina and a, a woman does not have a penis. Um, cause I'm like, I really believe children above anything. No. So, um, I don't oh. have any hate. You're not going to solve anything with hate anyway. Obviously I get, um, uh, worked up and emotional about this because, mm -hmm. well, my what females are being erased and our rights are being flushed on the toilet. Thanks, Biden, yesterday. Um, uh, what did that asshole do? Oh, he basically, <laughs> well, I don't know what the guy's name is. I think it's Hispanic, like Biden's. I don't know what his title is, but he's the one that announced it. Obviously, it's under Biden's thing, though. Uh, that Title IX includes men pretending to be women. And Title IX was made to protect women's sports. Absolutely. This. Was. Yeah, so I'm like, what? How could, why would you, I'm like, if any, I mean, I would never want this in any case, but I'm like, why are you even trying to slide it in? Because it's like protected under gender identity crap. So men can be, pretend to be women and do no effort, just say they're a woman. Um, it, it specifically with, uh, I guess, colleges that get federal funding. And if they don't abide by this, there goes their funding, like, <sighs> boink. So, okay. I mean, obviously, I don't... Individual states and I guess colleges uh, can imp implement their own uh, rules, but it's, you know, I don't know. I just don't know. This is wild. I can't believe this is reality. So like, so to take it from like a legal perspective, because I do have um, a legal education and I did practice oh. as a paralegal and stuff. Um, but uh, to take it from like a legal perspective on this thing, and this is why when you're saying that to me and it's like protecting gender identity as like a protected class or whatever is wrong. And why it's contrary to the to the actually like law and jurisprudence in the United States is because all of those classes that are protected classes, mm -hmm. um, whether it's like race, national origin, sex, um, those are immutable classes. Mm. Okay, so you can't change being a woman. I cannot change being a man. I couldn't. I can't change being Chicano, even though I look more like more white than I look Mexican. I can't change any of that stuff. Those are immutable characteristics. Gender identity is not an immutable characteristic. If you have gender fluidity, boom, you're gone. That doesn't make any yeah. sense, you know. Dude, so um, sex, it's like it's just because you wear a dress, you're somehow a woman now. Your your gender, like, oh, this whole gender thing, man. Watching a King of the Hill episode last night from like 2005. There was a whole episode about how Hank's license he got labeled uh, an F, a female. And it was so fucking weird. I was like, this is programming. I don't know, because I don't know. He, the neighbor was framed. Uh, it was complex, I don't know, but I was just blown away. There was a I'll lot of interesting things in that show. Yeah. yeah. We've been watching that whole show from the beginning, and there are things where I look at my husband, and I'm like, what the fuck? 
<laughs> You've recommended fuck? it a couple of times, I think, on some other podcasts and some videos, and it's like, I keep meaning to check it out. Yeah. I mean, they have an entire episode about AGP, Yeah. and it's all because uh, at the bill, uh, he had like a mental breakdown, and he became a woman. I'm like, they're already revealing it in wearing women's clothing because he was going through some mental psych, psycho, you know, psycho episode. Yeah, I kid you not. I'm like, oh, shouldn't this be taken down for, uh-oh, this is way too much evidence. You know what I mean? Like, this is, that's, I think, I don't know what AGP is, but I have to assume it's obviously some sort of mental break. Well, that's um, that's crazy because the stuff we I was looking into last night from all the, from all of the, um, uh, the prior, you know, decades of them self-describing and stuff like that, reading these old newsletters and stuff like that, was there, they were saying a lot of that stuff. That they yeah. were, that they needed to say that there was like a, they refer to they always refer to these fucked up terms that are like like appropriating of women like so they were calling it like mm -hmm. a sort of a male menopause and that's what happens and then you become a like you stop being a male up here and then all of a sudden oh, are you serious? and it was oh, just God. yeah it was just like this preposterous that's hilarious now that like, doesn't work anymore to now because it's no well because obviously i think it's they're trying to convince the world that children can be born in the wrong body <laughs> so it excuses their adult fetish because then they'll go look see th th this kid who's like two or eight or ten it starts young this isn't something that i just chose or had a mental break when I was 40, you know, it, it ultimately protects the autogonophiles. That's what I think. Oh, absolutely. And the, the deal is that autogonophilia does start young. They have plenty of hmm. like, um, you know, see the autogonophilia as far as like transsexualism and stuff, that's related to heteros, heterosexual men, mm -hmm. like the homosexual, like male to female transsexuals or whatever. They have like such like an infinitesimal uh, amount of arousal about wearing women's clothes or biology or whatever. That's, it's strictly like a heterosexual, not strictly, but they always take I think the now more it's I think I think it's more gay men that would start wearing that stuff because it's something to hide behind again whereas I don't know it's just obviously so normalized now and mm -hmm. it's I don't know I, I know what you're saying sorry go ahead no no it, it basically just that like autogynephilia starts at a young age as would people would presume like homosexuality and heterosexuality both like you start understanding your feelings at, at, at a young age um but you know they have all of these they have all of these other like you know triggers for it or whatever like you know and uh so it starts really young it doesn't not it's not necessarily a, a psychotic break there just becomes a point mm -hmm. where the or a break where it just becomes a point where these guys get tired of denying it and they just like embrace mm -hmm. it you know what i mean because mm -hmm. it's been bugging them since they were kids you know they yeah. were trying on and this is you know um my stepfather liked to blame his mother and his older sister for um, for causing it and dressing dressing him up. But that's bullshit, dude. I can tell you right now that he started that shit on his own. And um, I and I, I get a lot of this thing where it's like you know they want to blame the mother for for too many vitamins, not enough vitamins. What did you do in the womb? Where you know what I mean? It's like all of these things you know, do you mother do you stare into your child's eyes too too long or whatever and you know then they start to identify with you and uh, and as you and all of these like different like weird you know things that they can try to 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 put to put it on but bottom line is it's going to end up just being like a way they express themselves and develop over time you know it mm -hmm. gets worse and then you know it peaks and plateaus and as like when they get older it drops off you know with their sex drive because it's a sexual mm -hmm. You yeah, know, true. Attraction yep. to themselves. <laughs> I think I asked her earlier, but I don't know if we got around or you got around to answering it. Do you remember your mom's attitude? Like how she would carry herself throughout those? I'm assuming you were at home those 10 years they were together. I, I don't mm -hmm. know, actually. Yes. Like, was she, do you think, I don't know, was she faking the funk, like pretending to be happy or 
could you sense like I don't know were you able to observe how your mom acted around him like mm -hmm. was he was your stepfather wearing women's clothes I mean it, it seems obvious but was he mm -hmm. wearing women's clothing around your mom like making dinner and doing dinner like all the time at home like all the time mm -hmm. Oh yeah, I would say like um, I mean, if, in addition to like the um, undergarments all the time, unless you know, you know, um, there was there's a couple things. It was pretty much every night after you know the workday was done, because it was about relaxing, right? It's relaxing. Oh. And uh, so that was um, that was like you know the end of the day stuff, and and all the gear would come on like petticoats, like starched petticoats. It was like the aesthetic was was fucking weird, man. The aesthetic was like 1950s like housewife like chained to the stove looking nice for her man it was like yeah like women do women wear petticoats Lindsay? i don't know like i don't yeah so i i've never to this day seen a woman, yeah i've never seen a woman wear a petticoat but he was like on to starching that the stockings the the his big ass foot crammed into like a little white shoe you know like oh a white God. strappy shoe and the mustache and uh, all that stuff. So that was like pretty so much you had like a mustache every night. during all this. And you're just I like, know. Oh, my, my mom and him used to go around about the mustache because he always wondered if I can cut it. My mom was like, no, dude, you will look too much. You know, you'll look too feminine. Oh, you look like, you know, too much commitment. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, like, he would come so, home from man clothing and then, is this yeah. correct? And then put on all the woman stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow, so, you know, amazing. from from his job, you know, as a, you know, a very masculine feel, to put it that way. Um, and so, uh, yeah. So, uh, so he did that, and you know, and after guard work or working on the car or the motorcycle, you know, because he was like very masculine, right? Like it sounds like it, yeah. Just yeah, mustache, masculine. And uh, but then the aesthetic of like his other persona, his crossdressing, was like this fucked up, like. And he used to call him. Um, do you know who Donna Reed is? Because I don't. No. Some 1950s so. actress who was like super, like this whatever was fine but that was like he called it like his donna reed time and basically he was like enacting like these 1950s misogynistic stereotypes that he like experienced by watching tv or whatever so i'm thinking like he's like a little kid in front of the tv you know like and that's who he wants to be or something like that but he's not gay so that's you know make sure you know Wait, so do you think he is gay no is i don't think so i think okay. like I think he's like would be like on the on the Blanchard typology because I like look mm. into a lot of this stuff as it's going on. Um, he'd be like in the intermediate phase of or the intermediate amount of attraction to women. So there's like not very much attraction to women, intermediate attraction to women, really like digging on the ladies. And then like so like it's the intermediate mm. ranges as the highest transvestism. transvestism. It's like a U. And so like I feel like that it was like a competing sort of from deal from him. And I don't think he was gay, but I don't think his like heterosexuality was mm. like as, uh, you know, it wasn't of like a high attraction to women or whatever like that. It was it like moderate. Like it sounds to me closet gay. I don't know. Mm -hmm. my, my gaydar or whatever is not great. What is that insulting now? Probably. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I don't know though, because, well, it's just interesting that he said, it's not gay, it's not gay. I'm like, no. Oh. Why are you so incessant on that? Like it's oh my gosh, like a and protection the, thing. You know, and the things he would say about you know gay men and people growing up, it was like he was clearly homophobic. So, hmm. you know, like, and that's 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 it. It's like the misogyny, the homophobia. It's all baked in there because first off, you know, you're stealing from women, you're stealing their identity, you're telling people that you're better than them. <laughs> you know, yeah, and uh, it's done in this misogynistic way of like this weird like frozen 50s mm. aesthetic and yeah the relationship with my mom was was such that like you know like sure they had a sex life but like i'm sure his like autogynephilia was the main sexual oh, yeah. you know thing yeah. and like my mom she was like first off she felt like she could change it but like why would you think that like what 
why would anybody think that you know some people stay in relationships because it's a, a not on purpose but like a, a subconscious like challenge and some people just uh believe that you know it's a phase and this can't really be happening and um i think it's a very common theme with marriages mm. in general yeah. of uh believing they can go back to like what they once had or something i mean i think that's really common i mm. think so um yeah, yeah, so, but sorry. So I, I just feel like my mom is like a, kind of like a supporting character and all this stuff. I mean, clearly she wasn't very cool with it. If I, like he used to, he used to always point out this one photograph of them on this one trip that they took together when um, earlier on. And he was like, oh, and it was a picture of my mom and she's looking back over her shoulder and she looks pissed, dude. She's just like, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, he's like, oh, that was the first night I wore a nightgown to bed or something like that. And, and, and it, it was just like this thing where he like had it, he had like, you know, he he dug like antagonizing my mom about this kind of stuff, or he dug, you know, like sounds like it. it Why would you keep whatever. that photo and then bring it up to you and just mm -hmm. yeah? So it there's like, like part of the fetish, like upsetting yeah. women. Mm -hmm. I think it is. I I feel like yeah, because it was like a mockery, dude. Like in this like weird, like I said, like I see this man dressed up in this shit, and like it's just it just seems like you're not taking women seriously. You have a weird ass idea of what they wear and what and how they mm -hmm. act and behave and um yeah and so yeah just like the starching the petticoats and always having like manicured fingernails is one thing but always having toenail polish and you know yeah he, but he was never going to transition either that was the other thing it was like you know the whole transitioning mm -hmm. thing i think that's mm -hmm. a freaking red herring when it comes to this whole thing it's like mm -hmm. transition is if you say it so like it doesn't really matter um, yeah. you know, people are like, well, did he ever transition? And I'm like, no, but why? Cause it, his thing was autogynephilic transvestic fetishism. Like he, he liked the pain. He didn't necessarily yeah, want yeah. to go ahead and transition and why and he, everything was masculine about it. Yeah. You yeah. know, masculine presenting in, in all ways, you know? So I know that's so wild. Cause it's yeah. just, that and they dig so on confusing. having this like, you know bifurcated existence or something like that mm -hmm. and then also like bringing people in to like experience one or the other of it like okay you experience mm -hmm. me as my masculine part but now you can address me as like she when i'm wearing this clothes or something you know not that he ever did but yeah you know. did your mom seem miserable like did she ever talk to you about like how you, I'm, I'm assuming not like how you felt like you know what i mean i, I guess it'd be mm. too much admittance of like having her to admit to you or herself this is not fun you know mm -hmm. i don't i don't think it's common that parents are like really honest with their children about how they <laughs> feel because you're supposed to be the stronger one and I, I i would not be surprised if parents obviously put on a happy face because to see your parents like upset or sad well i mean i think a lot of people just hide that which is unfortunate on a lot of levels because your parents i mean your kids can be can be a, a, a talking opportunity or an opportunity for your kids to have compassion for you um I just, obviously, it's another thing of, like, I can't imagine that your mom was truly happy. So she's she's also lying, too, you know, mm -hmm. about, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that she was, but I'm going to have to assume, hello, mm -hmm. like. I mean, let's just face it, like, uh, the AGP is the elephant in the room, but there's all kinds of things that make an unhappy marriage. I feel like um, alcoholism, mm -hmm. uh, misogyny. Yeah, can, you, can you dive into that? Can you? Yeah, sure, no problem. The... So, like, what, yeah, like, one of the, one of my earliest, and I think, you know, when it comes to like him dressing up and stuff like that, like he had a very um, violent and like alcoholic mom. 
And um, mm. so like, I mean, to the point of like extreme violence and having to restrain her and all that stuff, apparently. And so he grew up in a very like alcoholic thing, but he, you know, at home and um, with all the tension and fear, but he didn't feel, I guess, any reason to not do that to his children. And so, um, you know, basically, you know, brought alcoholism home, always, you know, drinking, I think is probably a problem because it's uh, ubiquitous, like you can get alcohol anywhere. Mm-hmm. And so the prevalence of it and everything like that, um, you know, contributes to like a lack of empathy. You're not feeling for your partner as much, mm-hmm. you know, um, you're impulsive, um, disdainful of their other of their feelings. And um, so, yeah, you start to build up like a negative image of your partner in your mind based on your own transgressions against them. I think a lot of it's projection, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I couldn't say that she was happy. And I and I would say that like throughout, you know, throughout um I couldn't say that a lot of their fights were about the transvestism or whatever, mm-hmm. but I mean, come on, How, yeah. how you know, you, this thing's always playing in the back of your mind. If, if my mom was, you know, being hundred percent honest with me and telling me that, she, you know, when she was saying that she felt like he was having an affair with another person because of this whole other sex life, you know, you, you're carrying that around with you all the time, right? I mean, you're not just feeling that once in a while. You're like, huh, dude, this person's, you know, they got this whole other thing going on. So. You're know, uh, reminded of every time you see him act that out, which oh, sounds like every evening. All know. all the time, and um, yeah, and that's uh, oh, but this, so this is this is the this is the kicker that I wanted to talk about because for me, what affects me nowadays is the word Tuesday, hmm. <laughs> because when I was growing up, and I'll still get like kind of triggered by it a little bit when mm. things are i'd rather have a doctor's appointment on a monday or a wednesday let's put it that way um mm. but tuesdays were when um me and my brothers would have to leave the house early you know before school and then he would get it was my day right that's the fucking narcissist in him talking of course but it was like my tuesdays are my day wow. and that was his day to have run of the house nobody around complete spank fest i guess i mean just dressing up the whole th- and so we weren't even allowed to come home until like 5 or 5 30 at night so you got these boys roaming around the streets of the east bay um till you know getting into all kinds of shenanigans smoking weed drugs shoplifting whatever you know whatever that stuff's mm-hmm. coming out that stuff's on my was on my horizon at this point For sure. but tuesdays were his day day off spent the whole day dressed up doing whatever he wanted and it was like this thing where it was just like this mandatory thing where it's like you know i just didn't have a home for that day i was basically like exactly. homeless unhomed uh, my mom along with it you know and uh and it was super damaging because it got me into a lot of pro it got me into a lot of trouble um i had a lie about why i couldn't go home to all my friends like why are you hanging out every tuesday you know at our house or, or whatever or why are you why we just see you walking around all the time or whatever it was it was like you know it made me uh, just more of a liar had it oh there, I, used, I used to tell my friends oh there's time locks on my house and i can't get into my house until five because well, you know i just make up shit become an mm-hmm. experienced liar deceiving people who i care about just to cover up my shame of like i i can't go home because my stepfather is dressing like a woman you know and this is before i even knew about the masturbation involved in it okay oh, i didn't realize that right, it was like right. He, this was about arousal and all that stuff. Yep. You know, for him, it was about relaxing and whatever. And that's, you know, preposterous. But so, like, but I, I, I realized now that this is autogynephilia and the autogynephilia is real because on one of these Tuesdays, I left the house at my prescribed early time. Something like had to be out of the house by like seven or something like that. 
So crazy, right? I'm an hour and a half yeah. before school. And, um, and then, like, I realized I forgot my lunch money or something, book or something. So I had to go back in the house, right? So, like, um, I come back and I let myself in. The doors are unlocked. And I realized that all the mirrors, like all of our wall mirrors and stuff in the house, um, uh, closet doors that have mirrors on them, have been taken off of their hinges and, like, strategically placed around the house you know, so they can observe themselves as they're like walking down in full regalia, you know, like, like the runway over there. So it's, it's basically like creating like a panopticon to where they're always like being able it's like to. It's total narcissism. It's mm -hmm. a perfect display of absolute narcissism. Yeah. Like the folk, that's wild. What a, mm -hmm. what a literal was, display. Yeah, it didn't. And I was like, whoa, this is more than just like the dressing up. This is like seeing yourself oh. as this you know, experiencing this as like, yeah. So that I was like, maybe like 12 or something. Like that. It was like 12 when that one, that, the whole mirror thing was like, oh shit. But see, the thing is, he's the reason I have it. I had a mirror in my room, right? He was like, oh yeah, you should, you definitely know. Like, you're growing up, you're a young man, you know, you need to take care of your, like your appearance and all that stuff. So I'm like, I'm getting you this mirror for your room. Well, I'm like in mirrors in the front room, you know what I'm saying? You're using my mirror for your thing. So it's like, why did I even get that mirror? Why did you have mm. me buy? Why did you buy that mirror for me? Oh, it's because you can use it on Tuesdays or what? You know, it's a horrible feeling to be like, oh, maybe because it sounds like he was trying to make it. Um, he cares about you mm -hmm. and you're you no. caring about you and how you present yourself and keeping clean or whatever. Mm -hmm. But then you find out that it was wasn't even about you. Like how I can't imagine. Like when did you realize this was uh, autogonophilia and it was a fetish mm -hmm. and sexual stuff is involved with it? Was this, mm -hmm. how old were you? When I realized it was autogynephilia and that basically this was a whole fetish, I was probably like mm, 20. And um, I'd been so out of the house for a while okay, mm -hmm. yeah. and living, you know, and living, um, uh, living, you know, with roommates and stuff and working in, going to school part-time or whatever. And, um, you know, meeting people and you talk about these things, but like, there's like tons of propaganda about all this stuff out there. They, they've been documenting their whole thing. So, um, so that's when I started to realize that it was like a, it was more of like a sexual thing. Hey, what's up? So that's end of part one. I'm going to have part two of this interview slash chat next week. Be sure to tune in for that one. Um, thanks for watching. Don't forget to hit subscribe and like this video and leave me a comment. Um, if you have any thoughts or feelings or if maybe somehow you've had an AGP experience or what do you feel about all this gender ideology BS stuff? How is it affecting you if, if it is or if it isn't? Um, you can also support my work by donating to me on PayPal, paypal.me forward slash LP Foster Kittens. And also you can support my work on Subscribestar on Subscribestar. You can also support my work by joining my rational revolution on Subscribestar, which is, which is, which is Subscribestar.com forward slash distorted lens. When people talk about important stuff, they always do this thing. I have important things to say. Tap, tap, tap. Now are you listening? Yes. Anyway, so uh, yeah, be sure to check this second half of this interview next week. So see you next time, people.